welcome to the Preston Minster podcast. We want you to find your home, find your purpose and transform your city. We're speaking about a new hope today and we're looking at the, the book of 1 Peter in the New Testament. And um, Peter is writing right across the churches throughout the Middle East, throughout Asia, wanting to give them a fresh sense of hope. He himself is thought is in prison at this time, awaiting his execution. But in the middle of that darkness, the light shines powerfully because nothing can overcome it. Hope. What do you think about when you think about hope? How do you define it? I came across a few definitions. One was hope is desiring a positive outcome. Don't quite like that. Don't think it's strong enough. So I'm going to change it to expecting a positive outcome, expecting a positive outcome in a situation, hope, a new hope. So I'm going to paint a little scenario for you now. Join me in a gentle bit of role playing, and let's see how your level of hope is going to be in this little situation. I want you to imagine that you are a dairy farmer, okay? You're a dairy farmer. You've got a great head of cattle. You've got a lot of cows. Unfortunately, because you've got a lot of cows, You've been kidnapped by eco-warriors. Your cows are producing too much methane, sending it up into the atmosphere. So environmental warriors have kidnapped you and put you in a dark prison along with a lot of dairy farmers. Okay? It could happen. You know it could happen. But a whisper, a rumor is going around the cells that you are about to be rescued. Now, I just want to check your levels of hope, depending on who it is who's coming to rescue you. So, okay, so this is time to get interactive now. If, if it's a little hope, I want you to put your hand down there. And if it's high hope, put your hand high. So the first rumor, the person who is coming to rescue you in your dark dungeon is none other than Michael McIntyre, legendary stand-up comedian. Michael McIntyre, oh, there he is. Wonderful. Michael McIntyre's on his way to rescue you. How's your level of hope, people? How's your level of hope? Come on, show me those hands. Show me the hands. Oh, it's hovering. Just a, Oh, we've got a Michael McIntyre fan in the house. You know, he's going he's gonna to dazzle them with his wits and stun them into submission. Okay, we've got the odd Michael McIntyre fan. Next up, legendary survival guru, Bear Grylls. Bear Grylls. The room is going around. Bear Grylls is coming to rescue you. Look at, look at that. He's ruggedly handsome like my good self. How, how is your hope levels now? Bear Grylls is coming. Oh, yeah. Your hands are getting higher. There we go. Oh, there's a lot of love for Bear Grylls. Bear Grylls. What about Ray Mears? Just throwing that in there. Ray Mears. Oh, 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 oh. going down. Okay. Okay. Now then, finally, the room is going around. These guys aren't showing up. These guys aren't showing up. None other than, in all her 1984 retro 80s glory, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is coming to rescue you. She's real. Let's just pretend she's real. How high is your level of hope now? Wonder Woman is on her way. Come on. Come on. Give it. Give it. Some of you, like, we had your hand up higher for Michael McIntyre. I don't understand what's going on here. She's got superpowers and stuff. She's got, like, a gold rope that you can put around people and tell the truth. Ugh. Hope. Expectation. The greater the hero, the greater the hope. The greater the hero, the greater the hope. And suddenly, 
with the news that it might be Bear Grylls for you or Michael McIntyre or Wonder Woman, with that news, you're dancing around the cell because a living hope lights up the here and now. It changes your outlook on your current situation. Suddenly, there's a light in that cell because you know your rescue is certain. The greater the hero, the greater the hope. But that wasn't a real situation, so let's, let's go with us. But we feel it shouldn't, but it often does. We obsess about it. Money. Money can often imprison us and our attitude to it. So this scenario is we probably do it every day if you're like me. It's a thumbprint on the phone checking your bank balance on your app. How do you feel? It's kind of three levels of response when you come to check your bank balance, I feel. The first one, the first reaction is like a, a twisting in the gut. It's not a nice sensation when you see your bank balance account. And then you let slip a minor or a major swear word when you see your bank account. The next one, the physical reaction is when you see your bank account, it's a, it's a wipe across the brow. It's a, it's a definite phew. There's just enough in there to cover the bills for the month. But the third one is when you see your bank account balance, you're starting to do a little jig because Uncle Monty, the uncle that you never knew, happened to be a billionaire, has died and has piled 10 million pounds into your account. And you say, where did that come from? And you're dancing. <laughs> your expectations were low. <laughs> but being blown out of the water because you've got serious hope now. So often we put our hope in the stuff that is here today and gone tomorrow. So, so how do you get that living hope that impacts the here and now? Brothers and sisters, we can know our hero and know what he's won for us and do regular check-ins on what he has done for us. Press into God and check your eternal bank balance. Yeah, we're going to do that now. Turn to 1 Peter, chapter 1. This guy, he's, he's in prison. He's writing to encourage people. And he knows what's happened to his brothers and sisters in the Lord. He heard the news when Stephen was stoned. He was in Jerusalem when James, the brother of Jesus, was beheaded. He got away. James didn't. So he's in prison. And he writes with this Hope that cannot be strained, cannot be checked. And when you look at the teachers, particularly in the New Testament, they do a lot of talking around money and treasure and comparing it to what God has won for us. So Paul, in Ephesians 3, he talks, Out of his glorious riches, may Christ, may Christ strengthen you in your spirit. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he talks about, We've got this treasure within that is in jars of clay. We're in this weak stuff at the moment. We haven't got our, our beautiful new resurrected bodies, which are promised to us because Jesus had one. We're going to get one. We haven't got that yet. So it feels like there's frail stuff around the outside. But inside, there's this treasure that nothing can touch. And Jesus talked about the kingdom like a pearl, like a hidden treasure. And that beautiful parable of the prodigal son where he talked about a father giving us an inheritance that keeps on giving. He talks about treasure and inheritance a lot. That's what's been won for you. These, these passages are like those films. I love those films where, you know, 
somebody's come into money the right way or the wrong way. Maybe it's an inheritance from someone. Maybe they've won the lottery. Maybe they've nicked it. But there's those scenes where they're glorying in what they've got, what they've received, what the reward is. And, the, you know, they've, they've chucking it up in the air or they've laid it out on a bed and just, like, rolling around in it. And these passages are like the teachers in the New Testament just rolling around in the riches that Christ has won for them and saying, oh, my goodness, I can't, can't believe it. I've even, oh, it's, it's just like this eternal storeroom of treasures that we keep going into. So let's look into this treasure trove that is 1 Peter chapter 1. Yeah. Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer all kinds of trials. These have come so that there is proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. What kind of picture is it that, that Peter gives us here? For, for hope to be alive, it has to make a difference in the here and now. And I, I love that line from the writers of Hebrews in chapter 11, when he says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hope is being certain of what we do not see. That faith that says, I can build on this right here, right now. What God has given me in Christ Jesus is something that I can take to the bank. It is certain and sure, and I can build my life on it. I can build hope from it every day. Know your hero. Know what is one for you. So important to know, and Peter's writing across these new churches that are suffering. Homes have been possessed by the Romans. People have been kicked out. People have been tortured. People have been killed. They've been martyred for the name of Jesus. And he's saying in the middle of that incredible pain, there is a light that shines that never goes out. Why hope? What has God won for us? Let's check the treasures in the bank. Number one treasure, you are a child of God, verses three into four. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. We've got this new hope and this new life within us, as uh, Sam was speaking to last week. What an incredible hope. And Jesus paved the way. They, they kept announcing and witnessing to the resurrection of Jesus because he said, this is it. This is the hope we were longing for. There was a, the first sign that we saw was so powerful was his death. The second beautiful sign is his resurrection. And the third one, if you want it, is he's ascended. 
up to the right hand of the Father to rule from on high. But it means he's brought us into this new and living hope through his resurrection that everything will be made new. A new heaven and a new earth. Every tear will disappear. There will be a future life filled with peace and hope and joy and wholeness. But it gets better. This, this new hope is not only have we been given new life in Jesus' name and eternal life, but we will live in that new reality and we live now as children of God, as dearly beloved sons and daughters of the Most High. It's what Jesus was paving the way for when he tells stories like the prodigal son. Yes, you were the one who rebelled, but you were the one who were embraced by the Father. And although that father in that story, remember, the son says, I want you dead, I want your inheritance now, I want my money now. <laughs> Gave him all the money, he still gets more when he comes back. He said, welcome, you've got everything that I have is yours. That's the kind of inheritance we have. That's the kind of father that we have. Amazing. We are God's children. This is a brand new hope. Not just a hope that you'll be part of a new heaven and earth, but you'll be God's children. Sometimes in the Bible, it talks about being God's children. Sometimes it uses the language of adoption, as in Ephesians chapter 1. You've been adopted into this family. You are now a royal heir. And sometimes, because the work of God's Holy Spirit within us is doing such a new job, recreating us from the inside out, it talks about it's like being born again. It's like having a new birth. You are a new creature. You are a new creation. But however you understand it, both pictures are really beautiful and get to the core of what's happening. This is the truth that God is your father and loves you like he loves his eldest son. <laughs> and that's every day you can check that treasure and say, yes, I'm a child of God today. Whatever happens to me, how dark it, it gets around me, that light still shines. I love the words of Tom Wright, who's a bit of a genius Bible teacher, and he translates from the Greek this passage which we've just been looking at in verse 3 and 4. And he says it's like this, may God be blessed, God the Father of our Lord Jesus Messiah. His mercy is abundant, and so he has become our Father in a second birth into a living hope through the resurrection from the dead. He spells it out a little bit more. He has become our Father in a second birth. We have been born again into this new life. That's our first treasure. We are children of our dedicated and devoted Father. Our inheritance is certain, and our overtly generous dad has got a pile of treasures for us. And the second truth is this. That treasure isn't going anywhere. It is completely secure and promised to you. What's the point of having a treasure that anybody can break in and steal and rob from you? I led a youth group on a mission trip to Malawi in East Africa. And as the leader of a group, I was charged with looking after the passports of all the young people that had come with me. And I popped them in a rucksack and I thought, where is this rucksack going to go? Because we were staying in a compound in a motel in this township that got a little bit rough at night time. So we weren't allowed out at night time. I'm thinking, do I leave this in here when we go out, on the, when we do these field trips during the day? Does it stay here? Is there a safe here? What happens to it? So we took it with us 
we took it with us. And I guarded that rucksack with all the passports in it like it was the nuclear football. You know that thing that the president's got, that briefcase where he's got all the codes to set off World War Three. I guarded it with my life, and I had eyes on it all the time. And those panicky moments where I'd just kind of like forgotten about it, where is it? It's still in the van. It's great. It's still locked up. It's still secure. I was scared because that was something that so easily could have been grabbed. And then I would have been in deep doo-doo. That's not a treasure that God has got for you. That's not the security you can hope for in this. Your treasure isn't going anywhere. And this is what, what Peter paints in this beautiful picture in 1 Peter chapter 1. Your hope, your inheritance is kept in the first bank of heaven. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, says Peter in verse 4. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. I love those, I love heist movies. Who's a, who's a heist movie fan? Like, you like a good robbery. You like kind of planning it out and saying, oh, I would have done it differently. We're all secret like super criminals, aren't we? I love those films where they say, you're going to rob the first bank of Massachusetts. Sorry for the accent. It can't be done. And then they go and do it anyway. That's not where your heavenly treasure is stored. Not at all. No one is robbing the heavenly savings bank credential. No one is robbing the heavenly savings bank credential. I repeated it for a reason. There's a penny dropped. HSBC. <laughs> yeah, you, you can tweet that one if you want or not. Okay, no one is robbing your heavenly inheritance. Not George Clooney, not Brad Pitt, not even Michael Caine. No one is going to blow the blessed doors off the heavenly safe. It is secure. It ain't going anywhere. You have a living hope that lights up the here and now. And the third treasure, the third treasure, we're children of God. It ain't going anywhere. It's a hope that lights up the present as well with an inexpressible joy, an inexpressible joy. If I'm honest, that's not where I'm at most days of the week. Peter says I can be there, but I don't often live my life filled with an inexpressible. Maybe I'm not shaking my heavenly bank account enough. Verse 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It's not just about what happens when we pass from this world into God's glorious future for us. It's not just about that future day when Christ comes again. Peter's saying there is something inside that is so strong that we can connect into it. We can feed off it day by day. This beautiful and bright hope. But the truth is I, I often doubt my hero. And so I doubt my hope. And the light that could set me free from the darkness just burns too small in my heart and mind. I soak up too much of a story 
that the world has to offer me that tells me there isn't hope. This is not real. And you can look at the brokenness around you and it's so easy to be filled with despair. And I think of this past week when I was just out on the steps and I called an ambulance for a young woman. She was 30 and she was nearly comatose. She couldn't get up off her feet. She'd drunk a couple of bottles of vodka that day. And I think, what hope is there for her? The police came as well. So she's going to end up in a cell. She's going to end up in a hospital room. She's going to sober up. They're going to release her somewhere. And tomorrow, it's just going to be the same story. We have this hope that shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. And we can't afford to be misers with this hope. We can't keep it to ourselves because our, our world is in too much need. Too much need. How can I be sure of it? How can I hold on to joy in the midst of a trouble? And this is what I want to fight for. I love what Sam was saying about this new life we have in Jesus. And I've just got to keep checking my eternal bank balance to know this is secure. It's as secure as the fact that Jesus died and was raised from the dead and is sat at the right hand of the Father and is Lord over all. Nothing is changing that. And I have this life that is within me. God's very Holy Spirit. And that word that we used last week, Zoe. I love it. I am filled with God's Zoe. That word, which doesn't mean just life, just like physical life, the energy that you get from eating and drinking and breathing air, but God's divine life, which is in me. There is something inside me that is so strong that it doesn't matter what the situation is, cannot touch it. Thank you so much for listening to the Preston Minster podcast. We'll see you again soon.